How's it going, guys? This is Christian from NGN. This is Truman. Welcome back, guys. We've got another great episode for you here. Yeah. Let's get into it. This week, we're going to be talking about intellectual property law. Yeah. It's something uh, I would say a lot of people think is boring, but <laughs> um, it's not boring if you're a musician. If you're in the music industry, it can't be boring. Yeah. Um, you know, it might, it might seem that way from the start, but these a lot of these topics or these terms that we're going to use or talk about again, may seem initially like you will never need them or never use them, but it's something that you really need to keep. You will use the... it for the rest of your career. Yes. It's, again, this is one of the most important things I learned from my music business education. Same with Christian in his audio education. And yeah. we're just going to go through and take you guys probably about 10 minutes, a little simple to advanced breakdown of copyright law in the United States. Then we're going to move on to international. Christian's going to give yeah. his take on that. I'll give my take. And then we're going to move on to the future of intellectual property law. So stay with us let's get into let's it let's get it all right so there's many different types of intellectual property right you have patents which cool. are for inventions typically innovations you know Word. think back to the light bulb right patented thomas edison cool he definitely didn't steal that or anything <laughs> he did um but he Got patented him. it so therefore the ownership was on his name trademarks companies mm -hmm. trademarks symbols mm -hmm. logos Basically something that's indicative of a source of the goods or service. Are band names trademarks? Sometimes. Yeah. Depends on what you're doing and the scale at which you're operating, but quite a few bands do have uh, trademarks. Trademarks. <clears throat> They're also called service marks. You may see that somewhere, but... Mm -hmm. Same thing. Yeah. And then we get onto the one that's really important for the musician, copyright. Copyright. Woo! Uh, I'll just give you the, the quick, bland definition. Copyright is original works of authorship fixed in a tangible medium of expression. Tangible medium of expression. Let's break what that break that down. All right, what so you got your original work of authorship. You wrote the song. It's a mechanical okay. it's lyrics. Nice. You, got, um, you got a melody. You got a rhythm with it. You're ready to create this song. You got to send it into the U.S. Copyright Office. You want it copyrighted. You want it under your name, under your authorship. You have to fix that into a tangible medium of expression. Now, what does that mean? Well, it can mean it's something as simple as writing it down on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. right? That is a tangible medium of expression. And fixing it is writing it. Now, there are, there's, a, there's a lot of gray area in here. Remember, this is law, and law is mostly gray. <laughs> That's very true. But fixed in a tangible medium of expression was one of the most important phrases I had in my entire copyright class. That was something they would talk about daily. Yep. And just remember that going forward. Um, it is, it's crucial. So your copyright, you know, we said, okay, you got to fix it into a tangible medium of expression and then send it into the office. Technically you really only have to fix it in a tangible medium of expression. Right. The copyright is created. The second you, cr you put it on a tangible. Exactly. On a tangible medium. Yeah. It, you know, you may not have copyright protection from the government unless you register it with the U.S. Copyright Office, but it is a copyright if, you know, it is fixed right. in a medium. Which you should date and timestamp every yeah. time you do create something because that also matters. The, when, it, when this was created has been close several times to where it was like a difference between a day <laughs> or a month and, uh, you know... That person won that lawsuit because they fixed it earlier. Yep. Yeah. So, and, and this is a, you may hear of something called a poor man's copyright. 
where you uh, say so you write down your copyright on a piece of paper and date it um, and then seal it in an envelope and then mail it to yourself and then file that away, right? So it's sealed, postmarked, dated, copyright. And that will work in some cases. Yeah, it won't always hold up. Won't always. And so it is almost always best to just go ahead and register it with the copyright office. Yes. Because then you have federal protection. Okay, so let's talk about types of works, right? So we're talking about copywriting. What exactly can you copyright? We talked about patents and trademarks. These are different terms, different types of intellectual property, but copyrights is a very specific one. So we need to know exactly what works are copyrightable. Musical works. So when, when we're talking about musical works, we're talking about compositions, right? This is something the publisher in the music industry deals with. And this is, uh, you know, a pretty easy way to think of it is uh, sheet music, right? It's mm -hmm. not the sheet music industry because that is something different. <laughs> you it's a different copyright, but it's essentially sheet music. You have lyrics, you have notes, and that is the mechanical, um, the mechanical copyright. Sound recordings, also part of any song. If you write a song and then you record that song and then you want to release that song, you're going to have to have a mechanical copyright and you're going to have to have a sound recording copyright. Mm -hmm. Sound recording is just a recording of anything. Mm -hmm. We're making a sound recording right now. Yep. If we wanted to, we could send these podcasts into U.S. Copyright Office. We could have them saved in the Library of Congress. Boom, boom. And there, I mean, there would be nothing wrong with it. If someone tried to use our audio later down the road, we could, you know, give them a license for it. But we could also sue them if they used it without our permission. Yep. So remember that. You can do that with any audio that you create. But you always got to make sure that your audio is original because you don't want to get sued for copywriting something <laughs> that's not yours. Yep. Audio visual works. This is actually becoming much more prominent. This is like, you know, music videos yeah, this with is the original. probably the future, honestly. Yeah. Audio visual is going to become much more uh, um, important. When you're talking about licensing, this is what they would call sync synchronization. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's where a lot of money is, especially if you live out in like LA. You probably heard about sync a lot. I mean, just think about everything that you see everywhere. Yep. There is a visual and there is an audio that follows that visual. Yep. All of that is copyrightable. And on all of like all of your favorite musicians, when they'll post something on Instagram with music and visual, you know, depending on how large that artist is, they may have copyrighted just that video. You know, like Drake, I'd, I probably would believe that if Drake's releasing... Uh, something of his new song that's like a teaser trailer cut down new audiovisual experience he copyrighted that yep because he definitely did you want to make that money you want to make as much money as you possibly can because yeah. you have to get it from wherever you possibly can you got to squeeze it out of the industry oh yeah you do have to it's like a really really old lemon or lime that's been sitting on the counter <laughs> full fist all right well dramatic works so this is um it's what they call grand rights. You'll hear about that. That's essentially just dramatic. Small rights are the other rights of copyright. Um, dramatic grand rights are very different um, than you know uh, uh, mechanical or sound recording copyrights. And this is something that they didn't really touch on a lot in my education because this is really a very small, very very small section of the music industry. And this is for yeah. you know Broadway, right? Mm -hmm. Dramatization of. Uh, whatever. I mean, if you you take a soundtrack, you're like, I want to write a musical on this. Right. You're going to have to pay dramatic or a, a, a grand rights royalties right. to whoever created that music. Um, literary works. That's another copyrightable thing. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to go far into that because that's just, you know, literary. Yeah. <laughs> but you do need to copyright that. If you yes. create original work, you got to send that stuff in if you want it protected. 
choreography. Didn't know that you could copyright that, probably, mm-hmm. but you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone in the industry does. does. <laughs> so if you ever get into choreography or you need someone to come choreograph something, you say, hey, no, do this. And they go, I can't do that. And you go, why? Well, it's copyrighted. Yeah. I can't just steal this. Have we'd pay. have to Yeah. We'd have to pay for that. Pictorial, graphic, or and sculptural work. So, I mean, that's like just artwork, right? Yeah. So, any type of art, copyrightable. And architecture. Architecture oh, yeah. is also copyrightable. Mm-hmm. I would say it's probably in the uh, in the way that they're building it. I doubt the, the building itself is copyrighted, but it's more about the designs, the plans. The design. Yeah. But that is all copyrightable yep. because it's fixed into a tangible medium of expression. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's other rights surrounding this, like right of publicity, um, you know, name image and likeness yes you know and very important for people like miss marilyn monroe yeah there's a there's a lot i mean and you can go back and you can go do your research on this but there are so many very big name artists who either had issues with this with some part of their management or just completely missed out on this right because Mm -hmm. their man their management dealt with it for them and didn't give them any of the cut Mm -hmm. because they were the one dealing with it all right back to music exclusive rights of copyright this is one you're also gonna have to remember this is up there with the fixed in a tangible medium of expression remember these rights because when you register a song and you have a copyright you have the these six exclusive rights to To exploit your your copyright yep for and you do not need permission from anyone to do any of these if you are the original owner of a copyright so that is the right to reproduce the work the right to distribute copies, the right to prepare derivative works, the right to publicly perform, whether live or recorded, the right to publicly display, that's that's visual art, not really mm-hmm. music art, um, and the right to publicly perform a sound recording through digital audio transmission. So mm-hmm. I'll go through those really quick and tell you just basic, you know, wh- what those mean. Right to re- uh, reproduce. I mean, that makes sense. You, yeah. you want to make a copy of your CD. You yep. have the right to do that. Um, exactly. Right to distribute. Again, you need to give it to the, the stores that are going to sell it. You have yeah. the right to do that. Yep. You're going to go give a concert. Yeah, go out and perform. Go play it live. Yeah, you're going to go give a concert. Well, you have the right to do that because it is your copyright. And you can play any place, public or private, where a substantial number of people are gathered. Mm-hmm. You have the right to perform a sound recording through digital audio transmission. Mm-hmm. This is radio. Radio. Streaming. Yep. This is what we're talking about, right? Mechanical and sound recording. They're different, but they're both equally important. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to have the right to the mechanical, you want to have your right to the sound recording. Mm. Because those are all within the same realm of exclusive rights. And you don't want someone else having the right to abuse what you're doing. And run 25 of these a day when you are only running one because you don't want to make your brand seem like it's not, you know, worthy. I was going to say, unfortunately, a lot of deals, you don't get the copyright to the sound recording. And you lose out on so much if you see, if you skip out just on that one thing. You know, a lot of times it takes your clout. Like you literally have to have enough clout to be able to have any bargaining in your in your contract yeah. to get your sound recording or you know a lot of the times it's you don't get it for this amount of time and then boom they're done using with it then you get the chance to reclaim it but 
That's called recapture. That's a whole other yeah, process. That's, that's something we can talk about um, later because that's also really important. <laughs> yes, very important for those who got into a contract to where they uh, do not own their sound recording, but there is something called recapture to where down the line you can recapture the right to that sound recording and you know own that yeah you i mean you are legally in that contract you signed you're legally allowed to get your rights back at a certain yes. point um, and they can't do anything about it um i'll just take a little quick exemption to these rights um if you're imitating a sound recording that's allowed as long as the independent recording is created and no part of the original sound is used so it's kind of weird but you know i like the do, 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 from Michael Jackson, right? I want to recreate that. I don't know what he did. I right. just hear the sound, right? right? I have the sound on my laptop. I hit play. I listen to it. I listen. To it. Okay. And I go to my synthesizer and I start synthesizing. I can recreate that sound completely and use it for my own takes and not pay him anything yep. because I recreated it. Because you didn't sample it. Because it wasn't the actual file yep the audio file and that's another thing you know we'll get into metadata and how that's really important this is why it's really important yes you have to be able to have a timestamp in that file to show look i created this file january 27 2003 you made this thing 2005 march 5th it's obvious you used my audio right and they can look at that they can look at the audio that's been created and break it down in the metadata and see when it was used why it was used and how it was how used it was... so there is a lot in there. Um, just remember, exclusive rights of copyright, reproduction, distribution, derivative works, public performance, public display, sound recording. Those are basically the, the ones you remember. Um, we'll go over quickly the first of sale doctrine. I'll just give you guys a quick example of this. Basically, if you buy a book, you can lend someone that book, right? Right. Because you purchased it. Because you own it. You have the right to do what you want with it. Right. Now, if that's copyrighted, you can't reproduce it. Right. But you have the first sale doctrine. That meaning you can resell that if you want to later or lend it to someone or give it to someone. Mm -hmm. That's how, you know, used record stores and used bookstores exist. Exactly. Um, so they, they purchase that whatever yeah. medium it was and have the right to resell it. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, because you gain that right through the purchase. Exactly. Um, so there are certain performances that aren't allowed without a license, and this would kind of fall under um, fair use, but we'll jump into fair use in a second. Um, and they're very specific. So essentially, if you're going to be playing any public performance without a license, you're probably going to have a lawsuit filed. <laughs> and if, if the crowd, if yeah. somebody from <laughs> the FCC is there, yeah. um, they listen to you, they say, oh, that's i know that song it's copyrighted mm -hmm. and you're performing it like it's brand fucking new yeah oof yeah, yeah it's you're, rough you're gonna get a suit for that <laughs> um and again the fair use this is something we need to definitely make a distinction of but fair use does not mean you can do it without risk right you assume risk when you use fair use because yes. no matter what happens this is america anyone can file a lawsuit for any reason mm -hmm. now whether or not they have standing will be determined by the court but they can file it for sure. So if you're going to give, you know, a public performance without a license, make sure that it is undeniably educational, charitable, religious, or within the parameters that are set by the U.S. Copyright Office. So that's bars and restaurants less than 3750 square feet and other establishments less than 2000 square feet. Mm -hmm. So you can play Pandora Internet Radio if your business is less than 2000 or 3750. 
mm-hmm. square feet without a license mm-hmm. but you still could get sued yeah. and you would have to take it to court yourself defend it yourself or pay someone to help you defend it yeah so remember that like this it's not a fair industry <laughs> very unfair industry you got to have a lawyer uh, if you're going to be doing this kind of stuff so i would just say be very cautious if you ever decide to use fair use um we thought about it when, with this podcast but i really don't I, it's something that we can create our own audio and visual product for yeah we don't need to go and take other people's right and get involved in something that could be messy right um so to determine if something's fair use there's uh there's a typical uh it's they go through a, a, a list of factors to consider right so the purpose of the use if your purpose is to gain money ooh, ooh, yeah. you can't do that no nope. that's that's a bad one you can't make money off of something that's fair use yep has to be for the public benefit Mm -hmm. in some way or another educational charitable religious whatever right um the nature of the work being used you can't take someone's work and go this is mine right you know (laughs) you have to be upfront (laughs) about what's happening yep this is not my work i'm using it for this reason exactly and why i'm allowed to use it under these stipulations right size and substantial uh substantiality of the portion right how much are you using mm-hmm. is it 15 seconds is it seven seconds is yeah. it 20 seconds you know that all matters yeah and there have been lawsuits and people tell you if, oh if you don't use more than 15 seconds you're fine right. that's not true yeah you can use two seconds and still get taken yeah. down and the you know if we're talking about youtube you cannot even put it at all and just put it in the description and still have it taken down yeah remember youtube's dcmas are or dmcas very bad uh they're not following the rules that they're setting out. So mm-hmm. you have to be very cautious about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then effect to the market, right? This one makes sense. So if you're uh, a young artist and you cover Taylor Swift's new song, it comes becomes super big on TikTok. All of a sudden, you're pulling in hundreds of thousand dollars from sponsors. Right. You know, Big Machine's going to come, or I guess Universal now. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to come. Yeah. They're going to come looking for that money because yeah. you're making money and they're not, or yeah. they are, just not as much because yeah. you're taking a percentage of the people that would be listening to the original. Um, all right, well, we can go on to licenses if you guys want to. Licenses are kind of something for a little bit of an, another day. Um, there's compulsory licenses. A compulsory uh, license is essentially you're paying a, a rate that's been specified mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. And that rate is the same across the board. Yep. Um, and that current rate is 9.1 cents uh, a minute, or, or sorry, 9.1 cents total, or 1.75 cents per minute of a song. So Basically, it's like if your song's over five minutes or whatever, it's 1.75 cents per minute. If it's yep. not, it's point, uh, 9.1 cents. Um, and we, we'll, we'll talk about that more later. I don't think we really need to go far into licensing nah. compulsory. If you're in the music industry, you should know a little bit about compulsory licensing. But what we're going to talk about later is going to kind of change all that because licensing is something that I think is going to change a lot. Right. So, you know, um, it's nice to have the base knowledge. But then again... It's only going to get you so far now that things things are moving along. So exactly, and uh, you know, part of what Christian had said earlier was, you know, getting your copyrights back recapture. That's part of your um, your uh, termination rights, right? Mm-hmm. So you you have thirty five to forty years after the transfer, and you have to send notice two to ten years before that thirty five to forty years. So there's a very very specific window. So if you know you have some rights that might be coming up that you want to recapture, check it out now because you got to get in there early. Yep. Um, and the rest of this is all just about the uh, copyright acts and how copyright has changed over time. Because this is something 
We're talking about stuff that was really put in place in the 70s and cemented as we know it today with the 1998 Digital Millennium Copyright Act. And that kind of changed a lot of the game. And so now we're looking forward, I think, with the creation of the MLC, the Mechanical Licensing Collective, there's going to be a lot more change going forward, especially if you're looking at the uh, technological sector of music with digital service providers. All that stuff's changing. And um, with that, I guess we can kind of throw it to Christian. Speaking of DSPs, you want to take us on a little tour down Central and South America? No. Any of them uh, stream music? Oh, yeah. So, I mean... I, I took this IP law um, study abroad trip down to Guatemala and and Belize and we we kind of did a case study over Marie Sharp um, Marie Sharp and this is just a different form and you know this doesn't necessarily you know relate completely to the music industry but the way that um, the, it, it has a lot of ties to what copyright is. Um, so Marie Sharp is this, um, I guess she is a grandmother now, um, but she created her own hot sauce and, um, she had a very specific recipe with her hot sauce that she wanted to copyright and she wanted to copyright it because all of a sudden as she's starting to get bigger and blowing up and her hot sauce getting everywhere, oh, all of a sudden there's this hot sauce down in Costa Rica that looks exactly like the bottle that she's using with a worse recipe than hers. So what is going on is they were stealing her, they were trying to recreate her recipe and um, it was tarnishing her own copyright's name because it was worse sauce than what she was making, but they were trying to p- pass it off as hers and they were taking all the money from it. So there was no, there was no way, f- you know, the structure down in central and south america for ip law is it's just the wild west down there there there's no like international body that's really keeping these other countries in check because uh, it's just kind of it's not as important right well yeah and there there is an international body that's supposed to right uh you know wipo yeah the, the world international property organization the, the issue is with any of these like the un right any of these multinational corporations uh uh, nonprofit organizations, whatever, they really can only do so much. Yeah. They can't come into a country and tell people how to do their yeah. their stuff. And so, when you get in these countries that have very little structure, infrastructure for this at all, they don't really see a point to change that. Why would they? Yeah. When this system is how they make their money, right, right. So, uh, you know, it. She's, you know, finally got it in U.S. <laughs> uh, copyright office finally, yeah. which completely is changing the doors and helping her distribute internationally and actually be backed by an organization that would, you know, put some lawsuits down for those who were trying to steal that from her. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting you're talking about her uh, brand getting tainted. You know, that was what we were talking about. You know, you can use something for fair use, but if they see it as that, right? You know, her situation seems like it wasn't intended ever as fair use. Yeah, Yeah, it was malicious. Malicious, but... You know, in some situations, people would claim, oh, well, I was just doing it under fair use because I like, I, like really love her product. Exactly. Right? And I wanted to basically like make it for myself. And then I found out it was good and I was like going to sell it or whatever. It, it doesn't matter the case. If you're selling a, an inferior product and claiming that it's the same. Yeah. It, that is how you get serious lawsuits. Yeah. So be very cautious of that. I, I know there's some people out there who think 
again, that fair use will allow them to get away with murder, but no. it, you will have to defend that in court and you yeah. may be able to, but you will lose hundreds of thousands of dollars in the process. Yeah. And that may not be money you have. So please be cautious, everyone. Um, and you know, speaking of like global WIPO, right? This is pushing us away from the uh, copyright system of yesteryear of like the US, right? So right. the US for a while was, I mean, we still are the world's largest exporter of intellectual property. Mm -hmm. That's one of our largest assets as a country is our intellectual property. Yeah, I mean, take a, take a look at our technological advances. Exactly. All so, of that is intellectual property. Exactly. And you look at somewhere like China, which doesn't have an IP system set up. And uh, it makes sense why they don't, right? Well, because the upper levels of government will want, want to take the credit and the money when they can. Yeah. And this is the same thing that happens in Central and South America. Yep. They don't have good uh, foundations there. And so... There, there's no room to build a better system. I mean, they're still arguing about much more rudimentary things than copyright, mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I, I truly believe that once someone figures out how to deal with developed countries, developing and underdeveloped countries, you can't leave anyone out. Yep. Once they learn how to deal with all those governments in unique ways so that they can operate in those countries or even not operate in the country, but operate above the country mm -hmm. with their cooperation yep. and assist the small artist. What would that look like? Well, and you know, that part of me thinks something we've touched on before, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And I'm not going to jump right to it yet, but if you take a Starlink, for example, right, that's Elon's little plan to put satellites all around the earth so everyone can have access to internet. You know, currently if you want to install uh, a satellite uh, like Wi-Fi hotspot in your town it's going to cost roughly a thousand dollars that's a lot of money yep uh, most people in the world live le on less than a dollar a day so that's something that they would be saving up for years well you bring this cost all the way down to three hundred dollars like elon has done well that seems much more attainable that's much more like everyone can pool their money and get it and put it in the center of town mm -hmm. and then congregate there when they need internet well I think this kind of stuff is going to absolutely change the game because that combined with a decentralized autonomous organization mm -hmm. that works in the music space, works to protect your copyrights, collect your royalties and distribute them globally without anyone else being able to come in right. and take a cut. It's just you and that organization. Exactly. Someone who can do that, who can work on a, a layered system with a global layer, a national layer and a local layer, that that is going to change the world because there are... There are budding artists in developing and underdeveloped countries that will never see the light of day because of the state that they live in or mm -hmm. the place of in society they were placed, yep. the class they were born into. And it's absurd. And it's going to change because they all have very small smartphones. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a cheap $20 smartphone now. They're not bad. Yeah. They're not great, but they're way better than they were 10 years ago because they didn't really exist 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so you look at it, the world is becoming more mobile you get more internet accessibility around the world. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a platform where anyone can post their music and make money from it yeah. without anyone else coming in and taking a cut. Uh, it, it will change the world. I, yeah. I am almost a hundred percent certain on this. International IP is the, is the move. A hundred percent is because you can then lock up so much stuff that again would be, uh, funneled 
out of a country, right? That's one of these, the biggest issues with corruption. As you see, uh, a country, you'll, you'll hear a report from, say, the UN or something, and it will say this corrupt country had $80 billion leave its economy this year. Well, what is that? That is the ultra elite making money by exploiting people and moving it to their offshore bank accounts. Mm. That money is getting pulled out of countries that need it rather than being put back in. Yeah. You know, with these individuals being able to use their talent to make money, they can then put that money back into their community because mm -hmm. they know where it matters the most. Yep. The, the elite don't. Yeah. They think where it matters the most is their account. Yeah. No. So, <laughs> and I guess, I, I guess that does bring us to the last thing. Yeah. And that's the blockchain. And we talked about this last time. The I'm gonna, blockchain. <laughs> I'm going to drop you guys a bunch of res or a bunch of articles and resources uh, in the description of this episode and then on our website, ngn.show, if you want to go check that out. Make sure you follow our social media accounts while you're there. But we got plenty of articles here. Um, one, you know, explaining what the blockchain is. If you missed our last episode, we talked about it pretty in depth there for a minute. But um, just about uh, what it is and how it functions and why a distributed ledger, decentralized autonomous organization, and things like this are going to be important. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I've attached a uh, scientific paper um, entitled Intellectual Property Law and Practice in the Blockchain Realm. And this is from 2018, so this is two years ago. Mm -hmm. And this is a bunch of um, attorneys uh, basically breaking down why blockchain is going to be very important for intellectual property. Right. Because it's a, essentially it's a perfect system for IP. Right. IP has never had this ability to last outside of the physical, tangible medium, right. right? And giving it something like this, putting it in a, in a situation where it exists in a tangible medium, but in thousands of different of places, you'll never have issues with, you know, copyright office burning down and right. losing <laughs> billions of dollars worth of copyrights. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, go check that out if you want to read a scientific paper. Um, I also have an article from WIPO, the World International Property Organization, from February of 2018, and this is, again, blockchain and IP law, a match made in heaven, question mark. Mm. There you go. Um, so if you want to see, uh, like, an example of this, there's a project I've been following. Um, I definitely wouldn't say, you know, throw your money at this, but go check it out. It's called Audius, A-U-D-I-U-S, and it is, um, they have their white paper out there, and they've, they've talked a lot about it. They haven't updated this year's uh, roadmap yet, but I think they will soon. And they're essentially showing what a network can be like operating in the blockchain realm, but on the music industry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of like the first shot at essentially trying, trying well, and for it. So there's uh, there's another company called Bernstein, Bernstein.io, and I don't know how exactly how functional this is. I don't know how many people are using it, but they have. Um, they have subscription plans, which I am not keen on, mm. but what they do is they use the blockchain to secure intellectual property. Mm. Um, the big issue I see with this is they're charging for encrypted storage for projects. So if you want to upload your IP, I don't see that working, um, but they're also charging you in their, their token or their coin or whatever. So if you invest, if you make more money on there, maybe it won't be as bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go check that out. There's, I got more articles, the truth of blockchain, just um, how blockchain's going to disrupt IP management, you know, and just make sure you do your own research, dig through this stuff. Um, the white papers can be a little dense. You know, there's, there's plenty of good websites on researching this stuff. 
I would recommend that you guys uh, go. Cointelegraph has a specific section on music news in the crypto space. And so there's a lot of talk of NFTs. These are non-fungible tokens, mm. but they've been selling um, as they are linked to specific pieces of art. So musicians have been selling them. Soccer teams have been selling them. Basically, a bunch of different teams have been putting out these tokens and making money off them by you know, doing various things such as selling, say, an Elon tweet, capturing that, logging it on the blockchain, making sure that's the only one that will ever exist and selling that for an absurd amount of money. Right. So art is being collected on the blockchain. That means that it will eventually, I mean, IP is art. Right. We just talked about this. Right. Physical works are copyrighted just like music is. So if that can exist on the blockchain, music can't. Yes. And uh, I did forget to mention this, this Audius... Um, token they actually have some pretty big names uh on their network the largest name i know is dead mouse mm -hmm. and obviously he would be in this because he's very forward thinking yes um but looking at this kind of stuff you know if if they're into it i'm into it and uh i think you guys should definitely go check it out and that's all i'm going to say on that note um because you know there's a lot of there's a lot of research that needs to be done there's a lot of you know updating that needs to happen before yeah. we can fully say hey this is the one, you know, yeah. this is it, go. But do your own research. Yeah. It's going to take time. We're here. We're letting it, letting the wheels churn because, you know, innovation doesn't happen in one day. No, it, it takes, takes a long time. It takes a lot of time. So we'll stick through it, get yeah. there eventually. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I think that, you know, we've seen a rise in the music industry of one stops, right? One stop shop, 360 deals. Right. They come and do everything for you. I have the feeling a network that's able to do that, that offer, op operates with extremely low fees mm -hmm. and barriers to entry, operating in the global sense that we were just saying, right. dealing with every sector. We're talking publishing, record label, you know, we're, we're talking the artist, we're talking merch, we're talking tours, we're talking the customer, the listener. Mm -hmm. Every single realm will be all on the same network. You won't have nearly as much loss due to lawyers and accountants and mm -hmm. middlemen and that network can be all autonomously organized by the people involved mm -hmm. so the creators and the listeners have the largest pull yeah. and they say we're tired of publishers taking home 60 percent of everything we make how about they take home the same 20 percent that we do yeah you know and so does the record label and so does this and that it, it it's gonna happen i mean yeah. it's one stops are becoming popular when they can do a one stop with less fees, less loss involved, mm -hmm. artists are going to fall on it. Managers are going to fall on yeah. it. You know, the whole industry <laughs> is going to... Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's This is cutting costs. This is not something that they... This is what they do daily. Yeah. And that's why it's surprising to me. I think they'll attempt to double down at some points because they're scared of it. Right. And they didn't get onto it quick enough. Yeah. But they are. They're looking at it. So if you want to beat Universal and Sony and Warner at their own game... Go do some research on this. You might be the next millionaire because you picked the right network. Mm -hmm. Or you created it. I mean, yep. you know, if you're out there and you're a computer coder and you want to know more about this and work on something like this, please hit us up. Yeah. We'll tell you more. We'll figure it out. We can find your niche and we can, <laughs> you can strive, dude. We'll make you money. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it on what I have to say about intellectual property and blockchain today. Yeah, um, yeah I mean... 
we 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 did want to give you guys like an overview on everything because it's very important for the artists to understand this specifically the artists because they are the ones creating the works that can be fixed in a tangible medium um and whenever that happens let's register that guy so that belongs to you only you um and um just the different ways that you can make revenue from it right now it's Mm -hmm freaking hard you know it's 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 almost impossible because the main way people could do anything was performance and Mm -hmm. we can't do that right now because we've got to got to wait out until the end of this guy whenever that happens but um doesn't mean you can't perform it live over broadcast doesn't mean you can't put out your recordings out there can't Mm -hmm. use streaming services you know got to find every single facet of how to make the most out of your piece of work yeah yeah, you basically you gotta exploit it as much as you can. That's what the publishers do. That's what they want to do. So you gotta yeah. you gotta do it too. Yeah. Um, you know, because it's your baby. It's your own work. You exactly. gotta make sure that it grows big and strong. <laughs> you gotta take care of it. <laughs> um, well, uh, this kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Um, next week I'm gonna kind of talk about streaming a little bit. We'll kind of run through the digital service providers and maybe go a little bit more in depth on the sound recording and how you would go about registering your sound recording and receiving royalties from a sound recording because it's mm-hmm. different than a mechanical. Right. Um, and then we're going to talk about incentives for the artists and the consumers of what would be a blockchain network, a one-stop network if we're right. going to go with that. You know, yeah. I think we'll work with that assumption going forward, but just to show the power that it has and you know, give you guys ideas about not only getting involved, but maybe doing this stuff yourself. We'll talk about the incentives that you can create for the artist and for the listener um, and how that can work in the favor of both and how uh, it actually will revolutionize this industry because it's going to change the way the artist and the the listener work together. It's going to become a symbiotic relationship much more so than it ever has been before. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you. Oh, me too. I'm so excited. (laughs) All righty, guys. We'll see you all next week. Yeah, we'll catch you next time.